Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show around the country. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you wish to be on the program, stand by, please. Those of you on hold, we, we got to talk about something. His name. His name is Darnell Brooks. Yesterday, Sunday, November 28th, CNN ran a tweet that memorial service was being held for people killed in a Christmas parade after a car ran into the parade. There was more discussion yesterday of the January 6th events on Capitol Hill than of uh, Daryl, Daryl Brooks. I said Darnell, I'm sorry, Daryl Brooks. Daryl Brooks Jr. is being held on $5 million bail in Wisconsin after Brooks drove his Ford Escape into people participating in a Christmas parade. Not a holiday parade, as most members of the media have said, NPR in particular covered it as a holiday parade. It was explicitly in Waukesha, Wisconsin, a Christmas parade, and Daryl Brooks drove his SUV into the parade attendees, killing six and injuring more than 40. Six people, a child included among them, died. It is awful, awful stuff. Made more awful by the media refusing to cover it. I have rarely seen a story memory hold so quickly. The ages of the victims were from a child all the way up to age 81. Daryl Brooks had a rap sheet that included weapons offenses, assault and battery, drugs, bail jumping, and statutory rape. He had repeatedly been let out of jail. In fact, he had jumped bail and then was given a light bond. He should have been in prison. He was leaving a domestic disturbance. The media repeatedly, over the few days after Daryl Brooks ran his car into the crowd, said he had actually been fleeing the scene of a crime and took a wrong turn. The New York Times buried the story on page A22. They excused themselves, and then they corrected the record. Oh, by the way, it turns out that guy actually uh, wasn't fleeing the scene of a crime. Next story. They ran past this story as quick as they could and moved on to other things. It came two days after Kyle Rittenhouse was declared not guilty by a jury in Kenosha, Wisconsin. 
According to Court Commissioner Kevin Costillo, who granted the $5 million bail, I want to read you this. Did this get any airtime outside of Fox News? The answer, no, it did not. Here is his quote. I have no problem with the bail being recommended by the state. The nature of this offense is shocking. Two detectives not only tried to stop this, but rendered an opinion this was an intentional act. According to Fox News, detectives who witnessed the Sunday incident in which a red Ford SUV allegedly driven by Brooks plowed through a barricade and then dozens of protesters said it looked like an intentional act according to court documents. Let me read you a little more here. Daryl Brooks's violent past stretches back to 1999. He was accused and convicted of aggravated battery with intent to cause great bodily harm. More recently, he ran a woman over and punched her in the face on November 2nd. He has an outstanding warrant in Nevada for skipping bail on a sex crime charge. His criminal record extends down to Georgia. Walkershaw District Attorney Susan Oper told Fox News Digital Monday evening her office planned on seeking bail so high Brooks would not have a chance of posting it. The incident comes just weeks after prosecutors in Milwaukee recommended he be allowed to walk on just $1,000 despite a 50-page rap sheet and an outstanding warrant for bail jumping on a sex crime charge in Nevada. The Milwaukee District Attorney has finally launched an internal investigation to figure out how Daryl Brooks could get off with a $1,000 bond after bail jumping a sex crime warrant in Nevada. The problem here, in addition to what Brooks did, is that outside of Fox News, a major American media outlets have chosen not to cover this. To the extent they have been forced to cover it, they have covered it in the passive voice about a Ford Escape SUV running into a crowd at a Christmas parade or holiday parade. It's as if planes flew into the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001. Autonomous thinking self-flying planes flew into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon on September 11th, 2001, and a Ford Escape, an autonomous vehicle itself, drove itself into a crowd. This is why we can't have nice things. The American media intends to pursue narratives. I have friends who say rightly that we should stop saying the American media. It is in uh, the American media is composed of individuals and those individuals are unique and those individuals take different tactics. Those individuals take different views. Those individuals have different positions. We should not say the American media, except the media does it to the rest of us. 
The media talks about white voters. The media talks about black voters. The media talks about the college-educated voter. The media talks about the non-college-educated voter. The media talks about Republicans. The media talks about Democrats. But you're not allowed to talk about the media. No, 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 no. You must name the individual reporters. I don't know who the individual reporter was at CNN who tweeted out that the car drove itself into the crowd. But I do know that the editors and managers at CNN let it slide. I do know that whoever designed the New York Times paper decided to bury the story at the back of the front section. I do know that multiple media outlets rushed out with the story that the man was fleeing another crime and then buried the story after they made a, a offhanded correction and moved on. And I know something else as well. If it had been a Trump supporter and this had been a parade for George Floyd or against Kyle Rittenhouse, we'd still be talking about it. I know that. I know that if the driver was white and the parade crowd was black, CNN and the New York Times would be giving it wall-to-wall coverage. I know this. I know this because they're still talking about the Charlottesville situation with the idiots and the tiki torches and, and the poor girl who was killed when someone ran her over. They're still talking about this. They would rather talk about that than this. They would rather talk about January 6th than this. They would rather talk about everything that potentially makes Trump voters look bad than talk about this story. Why do you think that is? Remember, when small business owners decided to protest the COVID lockdowns, the media, and I do mean the media, from the New York Times to CNN to MSNBC to ABC to the Washington Post, they were vilified by reporters and the editorial pages. They were caricatured by the reporters. They selectively spoke to the craziest ones they could get on record and avoid, avoided the sane ones. They vilified them for protesting lockdowns and their small businesses being hurt. And then when the George Floyd riots came, you almost had an obligation to be in the street and protest. And it was your civic duty. Who cares about COVID? I know this because when college football season started, there was mass hysteria about Southern stadiums being crowded with SEC football attendees, and we were all going to die because of COVID. And it did not happen. And now when the University of Michigan storms the field against uh, Ohio, I'm sorry, the Ohio State, and Michigan has the highest COVID rate in the country, the media said nothing. The governor there is a Democrat. It's the narrative. And too many members of the media are too focused on the narrative. And if it doesn't fit the narrative, they ignore it. And people are more and more mindful of this. You're more likely in the past week to hear coverage in the news core about Kyle Rittenhouse than about Daryl Brooks. You're more likely to hear news coverage of the people getting uh, thrown in jail for Ahmed Arbery, the Ahmed Arbery case, and thank God for that, 
the justice and jury system work, then you are this. You're more likely to hear about January 6th than Donald Trump. Then you are this. And the reason is all because of the narrative. A radical whose public and social media statements were all about black power and hating white people just so happens to drive into a crowd at a parade, a crowd of white people killing six of them, including a child. His social media posts are rambling, derogatory, and racist. He has a long rap sheet. He's been treated very lightly by a prison system and a judicial system where many of the DAs who were involved are people who have been light on crime for a while. And so the media moves as quickly from the story as possible. Remember, 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 it's never really about in the media bias world. It's never really per se about what they cover. It's what they don't cover, how quickly they move on from something inconvenient and who they choose to interview in shaping the stories. And there will those, again, who say, well, you can't say the media because which outlets are you talking about? Fox News is dominant. Oh, you all know what I'm talking about. Even the people who tell me I'm being obtuse, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There is Fox News. There is talk radio. And then there is ABC, CBS, and NBC. More Americans still get their news from those three news networks. And they rapidly moved on from the story as quick as they could. And the ancillary news outlets of the mainstream media from CNN to MSNBC to the New York Times to USA Today to the Washington Post, they've tried very hard to avoid the story because it upsets their narrative. And their narrative is that only white people do these sorts of things and that it's a one-way street. It's white people abusing others. And to the extent that someone lashes out, well, you can't really blame him because he's been oppressed by whites for so long. If anything, give it a few more weeks and we will see that Daryl Brooks is a deeply troubled person who suffered at the hands of white patriarchy and surely it'll become reasonable by then for members of the media. We all know this is likely to happen, and that's why so many people do not treat the media very seriously anymore. Y'all, I love my X-Chair. I, honest to goodness, I so I wasn't sure about X-Chair, because let's just be honest, sometimes you hear podcast endorsement ads, you see something on the internet, you're just like, I don't know, maybe it's not that good. And I had a Herman Miller chair. Well, I had, keyword had, I gave it away. The X-Chair, it is the most comfortable ergonomic chair I've ever used. Honestly, it's probably the coolest looking piece of furniture I own as well. What makes it great? Well, it's got patented dynamic variable lumbar support. You can also add the LMX technology with four massage options and the ability to warm or cool your back. I'm telling you, this thing is fantastic. I use it in my office. I sit so long doing talk radio, having the massager on, you can't even hear it on the radio. That's how quiet it is, and it works. It's the perfect time to purchase an X chair. Why? Because now it's the only time it goes on sale all year long. That's right. Only on Cyber Monday weekend does the X chair go on sale. You deserve an X chair. You're going to kick yourself if you miss this deal. Save up to $500 on X chair, four days only. 
Black Friday through Cyber Monday. Go to xchaireric.com now. That's the letter X, chair, Eric, E-R-I-C-K.com. Xchair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase as little as $25 a month. Go to xchaireric.com and save up to $500. That's xchaireric.com. Remember, it's E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey has decided to step down. Uh, it tells you everything you need to know that when Jack Dorsey announced he was stepping away from Twitter, the stock went up 10%. He's handed the reins of the company over to Prang Agrawal. He's the chief technology officer for Twitter. I wish to read for you a quote from the new CEO of Twitter. This is his quote. If they are not going to make a distinction between Muslims and extremists, then why should I distinguish between white people and racists? If they are not going to make a distinction between Muslims and extremists, then why should I distinguish between white people and racists? Now, in fairness, that tweet comes from 2010. And I do not believe we should hold people accountable for tweets that are a decade old. A lot of people on the left seek to cancel people for their old tweets. I have mindset to automatically delete because of that problem. That being said, this was his tweet then, and I suppose it raises questions. Now, for some context here, uh, Andrew Krasinski, who is at CNN, notes that the tweet, which is currently going viral on the right, is the CEO quoting a Daily Show segment that aired about stereotypes. It's a joke about absurd stereotypes. It's not a factual statement. So keep that in mind with the context of the quote as well. It's being blown up on the right. There are plenty of problematic statements. I don't think we should vilify or destroy a man for a 10-year-old tweet. We should keep that in context. That being said, this is what Twitter does, and this is his platform. And so he is now experiencing what so many people experience on Twitter, where someone finds an old quote, it is taken out of context, and it is used to destroy someone. I think that he, the CEO of the company, needs to consider this and needs to consider that this is largely how his platform is used. It is used by the mob to destroy other people for 10-year-old tweets taken out of context. And he's getting a dose of his own medicine right now with that quote. I've given you now the context of it and the age of it so you actually understand it in proper context. Not a whole lot of people are willing to do that for anybody on Twitter. And that's his platform now. And I'm sure we will find lots of other problematic tweets from this guy that in proper context are still problematic. It's the problem with his platform. I hate Twitter 
part of me hates it because I am obligated to be on it uh, by virtue of what I do. I got to be on Twitter. I got to have a Twitter presence. You'd be shocked at the number of people when you try to publish your book, they want to know how many Twitter followers you have. And I think it's a terrible platform and it brings out the worst in everyone. In fact, I find more and more, I, I for a while, started unfollowing politicos and started following preachers. And the preachers are now as bad as the politicos used to be. They're being they're floating in the currents of culture instead of being countercultural. They're being as nasty and partisan and divisive as the divisive partisans. It's a terrible platform. And to the extent he can figure that out, the fire he's going through right now with his old taken out of context tweets, the better off we will be. But I don't think he can figure it out. The only solution is to shut it down so that nobody can use it. And that's not going to happen, which means it's always forever going to get worse. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of this here program, happy to take your phone calls. In fact, uh, we've had a couple of people waiting patiently, and I'm having, well, y'all don't care about the technical problems on my end today, but my goodness gracious, it's like everybody has stayed home today, and they're all on the computer at once and it's causing all sorts of technical issues connecting into the call screening program from my end. So be patient. I got to reboot the call screening program to be able to get to your phone calls. I do want to get to them. Um, Now, I also need to talk about what's happening with the Biden administration because there are deep problems going on with the Biden administration, and uh, there's a side problem. I want to play you this. This is NBC News. And again, I've mentioned before the biases in the media. What they cover, what they choose to cover, what they choose not to cover is almost as important. The fact that they're covering this is problematic for Team Biden. And shoppers across California on edge. So it is kind of scary. And the fact that this has happened now makes me wonder if I should even walk in there. Following a string of so-called smash and grab robberies, striking retail stores across the state. Wednesday night outside Los Angeles, suspects attacked a department store security guard, snatching $25,000 worth of high-end purses. They attacked him with some kind of a caustic chemical. After the initial suspect attacked the security guard, additional suspects entered the location and removed a number of high-value, high-dollar purses. Criminals seen using similar tactics in the heart of San Francisco. And in a nearby suburb, organized shoplifting crews breaking into high-end retailers, grabbing merchandise, and fleeing as a cluster of getaway cars block traffic. Uh, that's a problem. It's a problem because it's spreading. Uh, in Minnesota, it's now happening. Smash and grabs, they're calling them. It appears to be organized, but it's kind of taken on like a, a social contagion. Groups in different parts of the country are starting to do this. Affects the crime. You know, there's some data out that it doesn't matter what Joe Biden does. He can't really recover right now in the polling. Uh, It started with Afghanistan and the view that he was rather inept, uh, but it's spreading from there. And everything he tries to do uh, makes matters worse. Here's Scott Jennings from CNN over the weekend. The whole policy debate going on inside the Democratic Party right now shows what a mess the whole thing is for Joe Biden. Uh, You know, you mentioned gas prices on the one hand. Uh, he's shutting off pipelines and uh, begging our uh, uh, friends in the Middle East to pump out more oil. And on the other hand, he's releasing uh, the reserves and claiming it's going to lower prices. But 
We're not going to see that gas in the pipeline until, you know, December or January. It's a, it's a complete and total mess. On the one hand, he says, well, rich people have to pay their fair share. And then you've got Democrats celebrating, as the senator just said, passing a bill that gives massive tax breaks to some of the wealthiest people uh, in the United States. The mess is in the messaging, and the mess is in normal life. Nothing's going to get better until people feel like life is back to normal. Can I buy the stuff I want to buy? Is gas outrageous? You know, can I go sit at my favorite little local diner and the, 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 the sitting area is actually open? And my kid's school still under threat of being closed from, you know, time to time. It's normal life, and it's a mess of messaging. Yes. The, the mess is messaging. Oh, we'll get into a real mess of messaging. But first, one more clip on this from Chuck Todd on uh, Meet the Press. Ultimately, this is also a political problem. President Biden ran on taming the pandemic, and he prematurely declared independence from the virus back in July. Yep. Now, now the, the mess of messaging. Over to you, Pete Buttigieg. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, obviously, most of the physical infrastructure work uh, was contemplated in the bill that was just signed. But there is more envisioned in the Build Back Better law. I'll give you one example. It contains incentives to make it more affordable to buy an electric vehicle, up to a $12,500 discount, in effect, for families thinking about getting an EV. Uh, families that once they own that electric vehicle will never have to worry about gas prices again. The people who stand to benefit most from owning an EV are often rural residents uh, who have the longest distances to drive. They, they burn the most gas. And underserved urban residents in areas where uh, uh, there uh, are high gas prices and they're lower income. So they would gain the most by having that vehicle. But these are the very residents who have not always been connected uh, to electric vehicles that are viewed as, a, as kind of a luxury item. If we can make an electric vehicle less expensive for everybody, more people can take advantage and we'll be building and, and selling more American-made EVs, uh, which means over time they'll become less expensive to make and to buy for everybody. So that's just one example of something in the Build Back Better legislation that would be great news on top of all the work that we're going to be doing right now to deliver the bill that just passed that's going to be plenty to keep me busy for quite a while oh where 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 do we where do we begin first first have you noticed that every time pete Buttigieg steps in it there's a negative story about Kamala Harris soon to follow. Pete Buttigieg says, let them eat brioche. Let them have an electric vehicle. The poor, the rural, they need electric vehicles. That Who cares about gas prices once they have an electric vehicle? And then suddenly there's a story about Kamala Harris buying an expensive copper pot in France. I couldn't care less about that story. I got to be honest with you. If Kamala Harris wants to use her money to buy a fancy copper pot in Paris, it's, by the way, it's what you do in Paris. You buy fancy copper pots. Who cares? I mean, they're, they're trying to use this to say that Kamala Harris is out of touch. We didn't need this story to know that Kamala Harris is out of touch. And this story actually, I mean, if you ever go to Paris, most of you never will. But if you do, you're going to buy French pots. Why? Because the French are known for their cuisine and their cooking. You can spend that much on Lodge cast iron at Cracker Barrel and nobody bats an eyelash, but you go to Paris to buy it and oh my gosh, let's let sabotage Kamala Harris. There's plenty on which to sabotage her, but isn't it notable that Pete Buttigieg steps in it and along comes the stories about Kamala Harris. 
This is the same with the paternity leave. The People finally notice, wait a second, Pete's been gone for two months. What was going on? And then suddenly the hit jobs come on Kamala Harris. It's like the Buttigieg campaign is, is running hit jobs on Kamala Harris. Fascinating dynamic. But then there's the other bit of tone deafness related to this. Pete Buttigieg thinks the poor and the rural parts of the country, the rural parts, what did he say? Because they drive the longest distances. So they use the most gas. They need electric vehicles. Do you know what they they drive in rural parts of America? They drive this thing typically referred to as a truck, not a Tesla. And that truck... Well, they've got a Ford F-150 now that's electric. But you know, in rural parts of the country, they drive big trucks. They're not driving the Ford F-150. Maybe if it's got four-wheel drive and it's their family vehicle, but otherwise they got an F-250. They've got a dual cab Chevy Silverado. They got a big truck, not a small truck. Because they got to pull equipment behind it. They got to tow stuff. They got to haul stuff. They got to bring stuff into the city if they're farmers. They go hunting with it. And you know what? In cold weather, the batteries don't keep their charge. They just don't. Whether you're talking about Tesla or any other electric vehicle out there, They don't keep their charge. In fact, if you look at the fine print for this new electric Ford F-150, it's going to do the same thing. Now, I live in the South. I live in Georgia, the middle of Georgia. Every house around me, someone in the house has a truck. My neighbor to the left of me, His kid has a small Nissan pickup truck. My neighbor, I guess if I'm standing on my front porch, who's at 10 o'clock. The husband has a Chevy Silverado. The son has an F-150. The neighbor across the street has a GMC Sierra. The neighbor at 2 o'clock actually doesn't have a truck but has an SUV. Uh, The neighbor next to him has a Ford F-350. So it's SUVs or trucks. My my house is three SUVs. And you know what? I can get in my car and I can drive back and forth to Atlanta twice from my house before I need to fill up my gas tank. I can drive from my house more than 400 miles before I fill up my gas tank. And then when I fill up my gas tank, It takes maybe five minutes, and then I can continue on another plus 400 miles. And here's the thing. I can do it running the air conditioner or the heater and the radio and filled with people and cargo. I can drive a distance. You can't. And with the F Ford 150 that's electric, The closest thing we have to an electric pickup truck that someone in a rural area would use, guess what? That F-150, it takes a long time to charge it up, and it's not used in the Tesla supercharger stations. 
Now, the left wants you to know that they're going to be able to build these high-speed supercharging stations all over the country with the infrastructure bill, except they're not. The New York Times has a story out today. Now that they've passed the bill, the New York Times finally decided to look at it. And guess what? No one's going to be able to build anything as quick as the Biden administration has claimed because of environmental regulations and zoning laws and local access laws and local environmental impact studies and the like. They're just not going to be able to. Gas is here for a while. And what the Biden administration strategically is trying to do is let gas prices get really high to incentivize people transitioning over to electric cars. But there are a lot of people in this country who need electric vehicles that do not exist. And that's what the Biden administration doesn't understand. That's what Pete Buttigieg does not understand. There is no F-250 pickup truck that can haul a bass boat that is electric. There is no Yukon Denali that's going to hold seven or eight people and a bunch of cargo or a Suburban for that matter with a, a load of, of family goods on their way to Christmas vacation. That vehicle does not exist and it is not coming anytime soon in a way that is economically feasible or affordable for your average American. What's here in the here and now are gas-powered vehicles and the means in which to harvest the gas, get it out of the ground in raw oil, refine it, turn it into gasoline and fill up our cars and go. It's very convenient. It's very quick. And generally speaking, it's not that expensive except for the Biden administration willfully making expensive. The answer here is not buy more electric vehicles. They simply do not exist. And Buttigieg seems to think that if we subsidize the market, the the, the median price of an electric vehicle is $55,000. So we're going to lower it into the upper 30s. That's still an expensive vehicle for a lot of people. The poor are not going to buy the electric vehicle. The fact that Pete Buttigieg seems to think they will suggests that Pete Buttigieg does not know a poor person. And he does not know a farmer. He's the the head of the transportation department and clearly has not met a farmer. Where are the battery-powered tractors and harvesters? Where are the battery-powered heavy-duty work trucks? They don't exist. And they're not coming anytime soon. So you've driven up the prices on these people and then you're willfully denying that you're intentionally raising the price on them and then you're telling them to buy something that doesn't meet their needs. When something meets their needs, maybe they will convert. But I got to tell you, I know a lot of people who have Teslas. My buddy Clark Howard loves his Tesla. I kind of think they're overrated. The fact of the matter is you have something that goes wrong with your Tesla. It can take a while to get things fixed. Now they've improved that over time, but it's still not great. And there is the risk of battery fires. No one wants to talk about this. Up in, I think it was uh, Alpharetta or Marietta, Georgia, a couple weeks ago, a Tesla caught on fire. The battery pack caught on fire. They the, the firefighters had to come up with a way to jack the car on its side to get up underneath it to spray chemicals to put out the fire. But nobody wants to talk about it. You're not allowed to talk about those things. If you talk about those things, it's like you're a vaccine skeptic or, or a virus skeptic. If you're skeptical of electric cars, all it is is the truth. There are still problems. And government subsidies for poor people to still not be able to buy one or a farmer to still not be able to buy one isn't going to solve those problems. And the government under the Biden administration thinks let's just raise prices on everything and that'll force the conversion. You can't force people to convert to something that does not exist. 
That fundamentally is the problem. None of these things exist that they think you should be converted to. For Pete Buttigieg to come out and say that is tone deafness. It is Marie Antoinette level tone deafness. And yet he is the transportation secretary. He has a kindergarten understanding of transportation in this country. That's why you don't put a mayor in charge of major aspects of the American government who when he has no experience whatsoever. And that's why there continue to be attacks on Kamala Harris coming out to distract from how out of his league Pete Buttigieg actually is. It's just, it's all predictable. Now, having got the phones recovered, I, Forrest has been waiting very patient. Forrest, sorry, while I worked out the kinks there, welcome to the program. Hey, no problem. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Uh, just had a quick question. Um, obviously, the we know that the, as far as the mandate goes with OSHA, the uh, judges have put, uh, or judges put a halt on that. Um, so it's not currently moving forward at the moment. Um, but I work for a healthcare company. And so just want to get your thoughts on uh, the fact that our mandate is from CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And so I was wondering um, what your thoughts were on that and if there's potentially a precedent that's been set with the OSHA mandate being halted, you know, to, to also halt the CMS uh, mandate for healthcare uh, companies or anybody. Oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, so yeah, the, the OSHA mandate is for private sector companies. Uh, the CMS one is for those with ties directly into the American healthcare system. Uh, I, there has not been successful legislate or a successful lawsuit against it in large part because there was a lawsuit against CMS, but it was filed in a liberal circuit that has allowed it to go forward where the OSHA uh, lawsuit was filed in the fifth circuit, which is very conservative and they halted it. Uh, at some point they're going to have to reconcile the two, but the dirty little secret is a lot of these healthcare companies that are hiding behind the CMS uh, mandate. They want to do it anyway, and they're using it as cover. Um, there hasn't been a successful lawsuit filed yet against it. So they're going forward. Uh, and as long as there is a tie-in to federal funding for healthcare care uh, under CMS, they're probably going to be able to get away with this particular mandate uh, because there actually is a large body of law about uh, health and government requirements on health that don't apply necessarily to the private sector. And also, CMS issued theirs pretty quickly, uh, and OSHA is still dragging its out until January, which means CMS is treating it like an emergency, and OSHA isn't. Those are big qualifiers there for how the lawsuits are playing out. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. Um, I, I'm So I'm getting a number of people who are asking why I'm not talking about Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s new book on Tony Fauci. I'm not because Kennedy is a notorious conspiracy theorist and an anti-vaccine person in general. Uh, he doesn't want you to take the MMR vaccine because he's convinced it causes autism or some such uh, from what I know of him. Uh, I have no intention of giving a crank a platform just because he's telling you what you want to hear about Fauci, a lot of which I agree with. Uh, but there's there's no reason to give that guy any sort of platform. Uh, but in the next hour, I will give um, Adam Carolla a platform. Yes, that Adam Carolla, he's going to join me at the bottom of the next hour. But first, when we come back, you white people, you need to give up your kids' education to bring racial equity, according to the New York Times. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. 
I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no, it's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 